customer has a question, we want to answer it in a couple of seconds. And when we challenged ourselves to that, we created March. That was kind of the byproduct of the challenge of, well, how would we get an answer to a question in a couple of seconds? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. We're a show that's all about the accounting profession, and we try to highlight all the different paths that you can take when you start with a background in accounting. There really is just so much more opportunity than we typically realize when we're getting started. For this week, we revisited one of our former guests for an update show. It's been about a year since we had Kurt Rathman, the founder of Scale Factor, on the program, and I'm so glad we were able to connect again. Scale Factor has experienced phenomenal growth, and I was also able to get into more depth on Marge in this particular show. For those that didn't hear episode 80 that we did with Kurt back in 2018, Marge is their artificial intelligence controller. It's truly an amazing creation. It's really interesting how much capability she has already. And as you're going to hear in the interview, Kurt says their team views her as still being in kindergarten. She still has very much to learn as they continue to work on increasing her capability level. But there's already so much she can do in terms of being an artificial intelligence controller. It it really is just a, a phenomenal discussion. I truly enjoyed it. If you find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials for you. And it's usually at this point where I would point out one of our publications and ask you to check that out. But I wanted to ask a little something different this time. I noticed a positive review that just came in this last month on the podcast, and it caused me to think through that. If you're enjoying these episodes, please take the time to review us online. Whether you swipe left on your podcast app or swipe right, however it works, if you could take just a couple seconds to leave us a review, it really does help other individuals find the podcast and benefit from the podcast as well. So if you're listening to this on your phone at the moment, if you wouldn't mind just taking one quick second to do that, we really appreciate it. Well, with that, I want to go ahead and get started with Kurt. Here's Kurt Rathman, the founder of Scale Factor. Well, hello, Kurt. Welcome back. Hi there. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, for the audience, as you've probably noticed with the previous episode, we've started to invite a few guests back where I thought there was more to the story, or maybe an update was warranted. And Kurt Rathman of Scale Factor is definitely one of those individuals. Kurt was on our show back in April of 2018, and they had just added their 40th employee in in their startup venture there in Austin. And I figured as fast as things move in his world, it would be great to get an update. And plus, There's a few items that Kurt mentioned that we couldn't get into a single episode, so it just made sense to circle back as well. I'm just a little slow, though, and it took me about a year to realize all this. Kurt, I'm just thinking about it. Is it really appropriate to still call you guys a startup? I I tend to think of you as a startup, but you've been in business a while now. 
a lot of it is just the mindset around what you do. For all intents and purposes, we are still very much a startup. You know, there's things every single day that we're figuring out or um, obstacles that we're overcoming. And you could probably say any business is like that, but there is the sense of raw creativity inside the walls of Scale Factor, which is probably more pronounced now than even, you know, when we, when we first met, you know, last April. So to answer your question, you know, directly and, and, and just the thought around it, we still very much consider ourselves a startup. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, I was thinking about it here. I'm, I'm doing this introduction and calling it a startup. I didn't, I didn't know if you, you know, referred to it as a startup internally or not anymore. So beautiful. Well, let's start with a little recap for those that may not have heard the first episode yet. I'm sure people will go and circle back and listen to it. But for those that haven't heard it yet, give us a little overview of what Scale Factor does. And let's talk about the last year and how it's unfolded. You know, when we think of Scale Factor and, and the mission that we have, you know, in the world, and, and we're, we're able to say this with a much more conviction now as, you know, we've progressed over the last year and 18 months. But really, we're here to provide a business operating system for small businesses. And that's our internal speak and kind of our internal lingo, maybe not, maybe not the marketing message that will resonate with the customer. But what it really means to us is, is we want to be the back office infrastructure for a small business, meaning all the things that you do in the back office from accounting and finance to insurance to banking to the corporate car to all these different elements, we want to be that central resource for our customer because our target customer typically does not start their business to do any of these things. They're starting their business to you know, take their passion from an idea to something more meaningful in an economic sense where they can support themselves that way. We see the, the beautiful Main Street small business of the United States today. And there's 29 million small businesses, and we want to power them. We see time and time again now doing this for six years, starting from the living room. You know, the small business owner, there's many things that can happen in their journey of being a small business. And, and we always have the, the phrase of a small business is a living and breathing thing, and maybe any business is a living and breathing thing. But what that means is there's things that come along that are unexpected. And to the small business where they might be resource constrained or may not have access to the same you know, expertise that maybe a larger company would, sometimes these curveballs or these breaths of the business as it's living and breathing can really throw them off. And many times they can fail just because you know, one wrong move happened or they had an employee leave or they maybe overbought on inventory or something along those lines. And so when you think of scale factor, our mission is to power the small business ecosystem. And we think that we can actually affect the success rate of small businesses here in the U.S. And that's why everybody comes to work every day here at Scale Factor. That's what we want to do. I mean, you know, the beautiful part about this is whether your political affiliation is, is, you know, wherever that is or wherever you're at in the world, we found that when, when we resonate our mission out there in the marketplace, that it doesn't matter who you are, you think that's a good thing. It seems that the world has latched on to the idea that small business and, and small businesses growing and the creativity that they bring and the innovation that they bring to the, to the world is a good thing. And so we're in a world of good, right? We are, we are here to promote more of that. That's the mission that we do every day. When I last talked to you, you I think it just added your 40th employee and, and you were telling the story of, of still receiving laptops in your garage. How... how <laughs> How have things changed over the last year? 
it's fun to look back at that. You know, it's only you know, a little over 12 months ago, you could say, but, but the company is a whole different business today. We're, we're about 230 people today, not 40. And so the pace of adding smart people to the company has been something just short of just very incredible. Um, and I'm very proud of our team. We have an entire infrastructure from recruiting and people onboarding and, and uh, everybody to make your first days and, and weeks and months at Skill Factor a very delightful experience. So I'm no longer keeping laptops in, in, the, uh, in the living room anymore, although that's fun. Um, there's, there's, a, there's another process for that. But, you know, at the same sense of it, we still have a lot of the same mindset that we did at 40 people. We're just doing a lot more. We're, we're a bit more multi-threaded than we were kind of more singularly focused uh, back then. Wow. Okay. Just for the record, I knew I wanted to ask you this question about the number of employees. And then as we got closer to recording this, I was actually nervous about it because I thought, you know, what if he says 42 or 41 or, or <laughs> you know, what if, what, if, what if it's 38 now? You know, and there, there's not much of a story here. I had no idea. 230? It hasn't been exactly a year. It's, it's been, what, 16 months, 13, 15 months, something since we recorded. How do you manage adding... 190 people in that period of time. How, how has your job had to change? I, I didn't anticipate going down this road, but that's just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, and so I give you that number. We include our intern class. You know, one of these things, we have almost 30 interns uh, this, this summer. So th that's kind of fully loaded. You know, the previous summer we had six. And so the, how does it all work? There's a lot of orchestration behind it, and I don't mean to undermine that in any way. But from my perspective, what really does work and the play that's been working up to this point, and you know, as we mature, as we go, but, but still the same ethos, is we hire really smart people and we get out of their way. Uh, and that's what we've done with our infrastructure of the business. You know, to, to find that amount of people, you know, especially in this job market, is challenging. We have five in-house recruiters that are constantly recruiting talent. We have a place that you want to come to work, and, and, and our employees are referring their friends and their acquaintances and their peers to Skill Factor, which is the, the, you know, the highest accolade we could ever receive from a, a new candidate coming to the building is if they're recommended by somebody that's already here, right? We tend to really be around like-minded people, and if we can find somebody that resonates with our culture, uh, more often than not, their friend group or their peer group also resonates with our culture just because of those values. You know, my job has changed in many ways, and sometimes you don't realize it's changing just as you're in the midst of it all. But, you know, it's all about leverage for me and I think uh, for a, large, you know, a big part of our executive team, right? You have to know when to, to dig in and get your hands dirty, and you have to still be very willing to do that. We're talking here earlier in the morning. I was just uh, at a breakfast uh, before this, and then last night we had a, a whiteboarding meeting, a kind of a war room meeting, as we like to call them, that was supposed to go from three to five o'clock. But when you get the, the group of folks in the room that are very energized about solving the problem, the reality is we left at 11 o'clock at night. And we had this idea that we're not going to leave until we solve this problem. And it was very, very important to us. And so all of that is, is how we've changed. You've got to be flexible to, to be able to, to go from, you know, something that's supposed to end at five, but it's really going to end at 11. But you're solving all these problems. And, and then, you know, my job, I have three main jobs, and I add some on there as I go. But, but my job as a, as a venture-backed CEO is simple. And I probably have the simplest job as far as definition is out there, and maybe to some other roles in the company. But I have to be able to capitalize the company properly. That's a third of my job. 
it's the outbound side of the job, right? So the, the, the ability to raise money, to have other smart kind of venture capital investors that have seen the world and, and the, the market change and kind of know the right time and right place. That's a, it's a big part of how I've spent my last year. The second third of my job is all about recruiting. That's the funnest time and funnest part of the job. I love meeting new people. I love trying to figure out if there's a way to work together either now or in the future. It's a big way that we infuse expertise in the company and we make sure that we're, we're always leading edge. And then the last third of the, of the job is really setting the strategic vision. And that's the, you know, for me, probably the most rewarding side right now. The strategic vision of Scale Factor hasn't changed since you could really say it was created in, in the early 2000s and some of the work that I was doing with the, the lighting company, I think that we spoke about last time. But, but really since 2014, since we started, the vision has been the vision. We've just met resistance along the way and market timing and, and, and the viewpoints in the world. But, but now what we're finding is that all the things that I was crazy and, and that, you know, the early team of Scale Factor was crazy and we would get a lot of resistance of saying that's never going to work or good luck or what about this or that. Now we're seeing the market actually say, hey, the way you guys are looking at the world is actually the way we see this evolving. And that's fun now because I can sit here and say that our mission in the world is actually to change the success rate of small businesses. And before I would have, you know, kind of good luck, Kurt, right? But now I think our team believes that we can really do that. And our investors think that we can really do that. And, and we're, we're on that mission day in and day out to achieve that goal. And so those are my three main jobs capitalizing the business, recruiting, and setting strategic vision. I have some other ones, and I, I joke the fourth main one, but not really, is updating my investors weekly or biweekly, right? I send a, an email every Friday, and, and that's a big part of the job too, right? The external side of this. So, you know, there's been a maturity side of everything, but again, we don't feel like we've really grown up too much. We've been prepared for this for a while, and I think, you know, one of the things that the way I would say it is, is somebody asked me even yesterday, said, hey, Kurt, did you ever think it would be this way? And my, you know, it kind of took me back for a second. And uh, the answer to that question is vividly, yes. Every day we've been planning for this. For six years ago, starting in the living room, we've been planning for this, right? So we don't think about it as we've arrived anywhere. In fact, we've not arrived anywhere. We uh, now feel like we've got enough momentum behind us where we can actually go and achieve our, our you know, our BHAG goals out there, these, these big, hairy goals out there. And that's what just fuels us every day. We, we've got a lot of work to do. And we're on a team that has a lot of torque now. There's a lot of expertise in the building, and that's probably the funnest part of this phase right now. I just have to ask, because as you're telling the story, I, I remember the conversation last time about a hard lesson learned. You had split the team into two buildings or two floors or something like that, and, and there started to be two cultures that developed or, or something along those lines. So you're at 230 now. Are you guys still all in the same building or how did that work? <laughs> so I'm going to answer your question, but I kind of want to lay some foundation the way I look at that now. You know, about the first two and a half years, we were bootstrapped. We didn't have any investment at all. We were purely making the money that we paid everybody and paid ourselves. And, and you know, that was the company. But we went through these things that seemed, you know, to be these massive obstacles at the time. And one of them was what you were just describing. I mean, I, I talked to you about it, but it was a big deal in the company, right? We, we were growing out of a space. We needed more space. We didn't have a way to, to you know, attain that right away. And so there was a house down the street, and we were not too far away physically from each other. But the, the difference in office and the difference of just location just enough 
created two separate cultures and it created two separate kind of individual kind of ethos in the business, right? And while that was hard, it taught us a lot of things and we learned a lot of things. And as I've gone, there's been those instances where, okay, we've got to get the skill of, of operating well in multiple offices, right? That was clearly kind of what that was teaching us. And, and so today we're actually taking that to the maximum. I'm just so glad, in other words, that we had that experience back then because we actually needed those skills to be able to perform today. And the reason is when you're growing this fast, maybe it's very possible to plan space, you know, in perfection, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, as you grow, you've got this new space coming online and everybody just kind of goes there and moving is seamless and, and all those things. But, but here in Austin, Texas, commercial real estate is, and the scarcity of that is a real thing. And to build in Austin, Texas commercially is a challenging process because of the city uh, of Austin. There's so much construction going on and the permitting process is just one that introduces delays in all of the, the uh, construction process that it, basically it's pretty hard to have a, a firm date of when this thing is going to be ready. And that's actually the situation that we're in right now. So we've got a 52,000 square foot facility coming online here on the east side of Austin, east of downtown. We are super thrilled about it. Um, it's right next to the Austin bouldering project, uh, which our team is already having meetings at. You know, we're the type of culture where it's, we'll go take the meeting, you know, in the bouldering gym if uh, that's what people want to do, right? And so I think that's infusing a, a sense of adventure, but we're not there yet. It was supposed to be ready in June. It's clearly not June right now, right? And so in effect, what we're doing is we're operating out of three locations here in Austin. We've got our original office that we're still in, and we've maxed out capacity there. We've got about 75 people at WeWork downtown. And then there's another co-working space on the east side called Atmosphere that we've, we've actually rented out basically the entire co-working space. And so we've got three locations in our you know, way of being flexible to make this all work is we actually have a, a, a shuttle van that drives around every day, about every 30 minutes, it makes a stop at each office. And so when you want to go to another office, what we've done is we've just removed all the friction from it. The van is Wi-Fi. It's, it's, it's very nice to work in. You can have a meeting. You, you get on the van. You're still meeting. You get to your destination. You don't even realize you were on, in you know, transit at all. And, and that's very designed that way. That was the product, right? But it's those little things that back when we were struggling just having two people or, excuse me, two teams, you know, maybe down the street from each other, we learned a lot of things. We learned that it needed to be seamless. We learned that we we were going to have people interact with each other, we had to re remove all the friction from those interactions. And without that, those learnings, there's no way we would have had the idea of having a shuttle van, uh, for instance, in this case, or having the conviction that as a culture, we could weather three locations. We're, we have three locations about a mile away from each of each other. So it's about a triangle that we form. And, you know, it's teaching us a bunch of stuff. We're, we're learning things every day about our culture and our team and where we put people uh, in what office and what teams we have together and what teams we don't. And so, you know, I think this is a great temporary phase for us. You know, we're a stronger business by going through this. Now, it, it's got its frustrations and kind of difficulties, of course, but those are the things that we're learning how to work through. And we're learning how to basically not have them be showstoppers, just more of bumps along the way in operation. But hopefully we'll be moving into our new space here in, in August or August is kind of what the, the bet is. I'm more conservative. I'd probably say October. And it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal process of, of all coming back together again under one roof. I think it'll be a catalyst that just fuels the business and fuels the culture. I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting goosebumps about thinking about it, right? 
of what it's going to mean for our company to come back together under one roof. And um, we'll capitalize on that and we'll make it a cultural moment in time where that's now the new scale factor. You know, if you weren't here when you were number 40, the thing is you are here in this three office space kind of approach. And so the ability to kind of go to something new altogether and experience that is going to bond our team where it's going to be, remember when we were at the Owens garage, remember when we were at WeWork. And I'm excited for everybody to have that common statement together because now it's almost a new starting line for everybody. And that's how you create an even stronger team past 200, 300, 400 people. You are so still a startup. (laughs) This is too cool. You have a shuttle going between the three. You've still got that startup mentality of we're growing at breakneck speeds and we're just going to do whatever it takes. Just do whatever it takes. Wow. That's amazing. When I talk to you, I, I, I get visions of the Jeff Bezos two pizza teams and, you know, huddled around and, and that kind of thing. It's just, oh, God. I love interviewing you, Kurt. I really do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. One thing you mentioned actually towards the tail end of the last episode, and so I didn't really get to delve into it, was Marge. And I've tried to tell that story myself to some students, and, and I realize I just don't know enough about it. Tell us about your, your AI controller, Marge. I mean, can you give us more depth on that? I, I'm not even sure if, if it was a, a concept back then or if it had been launched. T- tell us more about that because that's really intriguing. Uh, so Marge is, is alive and well, and we say Marge has gone to school and she gets smarter all the time. And, and so she's able to answer more and more questions that, that a customer can ask her almost every day and every week. Um, but really, if we back up a little bit and, and kind of think about what we're doing and the concept behind Marge is really the real-time interaction uh, with the customer. You know, if we put ourselves in the customer's shoes, and we think that we're all here business owners to some degree, and, and I think a lot of people listening to this of, you know, doing something entrepreneurial or be interacting in that environment, the ability to, to think you need something and then get a real-time response is the world that we live in today. That is the expectation. You know, two-day shipping is the norm, and now it's about to be same-day shipping and same-day delivery of products is the norm, right? And so the same thing applies to the information around your business, and and Marge really brings that to life, but more so the concept of how can we get faster information when it's asked and return it to the the viewer in a way that's accurate and is easily digestible and it makes sense. And Marge is kind of a conduit for that, but overall there's an ethos of, if the customer has a question, we want to answer it in a couple seconds. And when we challenged ourselves to that, we created Marge. That was kind of the byproduct of the challenge of, well, how would we get an answer to a question in a couple seconds? And it's very differentiated in the sense of the way that many folks work today with their bookkeeper or their accountant in a sense of the business owner has a question. They might send an email and then that email it could take a couple of days for somebody to get back. And, you know, right now it's in the middle of the summer. And so, you know, a lot of times you might get the out-of-office response back. You know, I'm in Cabo today, right? And I'll be back next week. You know, what if we could take away that experience? While we need the, the human to explain and the human to provide the, the personal touch, there's a lot of tactical things just day-to-day that a business owner needs at their fingertips, and, and they're not able to get it. And maybe a great example of that is like an EIN number. You know, how many times, you know, this EIN number is this, we call it a platinum record document that the IRS sends you. You get it one time. You can get another EIN, you can, you can, you know, get another definition of that, but you got to wait for the IRS to mail you something. It, it takes a couple weeks, right? 
So if you lose this document and you don't have your EIN handy, you're not able to maneuver in your business. You may not be able to you know, get an insurance policy or open a bank account or, or all the things that you might need to do. And so the EIN, for you know, simple example, is something that Marge helps you, you do. And, and that's a query that, that many people ask. You know, they're, they're on their way to the bank or they're on their way to do something. It's like, what's my business EIN number? And Marge just returns that value. Um, and, you know, it's like a couple seconds back. And so those are the things when we think of the, the busy business owner and their Uber running to the meeting, running down the hall to another meeting, missing something, missing the phone call. What are the things that we can do that we're actually the place that they want to go to and interact with because they know they're going to get a fast answer. They know it's going to be accurate and they know that it's going to be delivered in a way that they don't have to have all the, the noise of the, the other conversation or maybe strain about, you know, Kurt, you lost the EIN document, you know, and if you hadn't lost it, then we wouldn't be going through this right now. Really, you know, I'm not saying that all, that always happens, but sometimes it does, right? Uh, when you're interacting kind of with your back office staff. And, and Marge doesn't have that attitude. She's got a bit of an attitude to her, but it's delightful, right? It's, it's in a way that, that's fun to interact with. And so the AI side of things is something that we continue to evolve, something that we work on all the time. As the technology continues to progress too, there's more and more available to us. We've got some exciting news coming up. We can't talk about it today, but even on the AI side that, you know, the investments that we're making and the partnerships that we're making, uh, because we, we, it's just such a huge part of, of where we're headed and where we think this industry is headed. So Marge is still very much in kindergarten today from where we think she's really going to go and, and the investment we'll put behind her. So it'll be fun to, to maybe do a, another follow-up maybe in a year from now and, and we could uh, chat on the evolution of, of her because I think that'll be something that evolves dramatically. Marge is linked to whatever your accounting system is, right? Can she answer, like, income and expense kind of questions? She can, yeah. Marge is actually linked to, to your entire back office. So she's got the ability to pull data not only from your accounting system, but your payroll system, maybe your bill pay system, you know, all, the, all the, the, the softwares that we integrate with at Scale Factor. And so she can query any of those. But really her, you know, it, it's a next level past that. She can not only query those systems and return values, but she can calculate things and then return those values. So a simple one that I always give an example of is, is, is what is my burn rate? And so there is a, a portion of businesses that don't make money. They are investor-backed or they're, they're, they're founder-capitalized, and they're not making money yet. So this, when we say burn, it's basically how long do I have to live before my checks are going to bounce? And that's not something that you can readily just get out of the accounting system, right? Like you, you could figure it out. You could calculate it. You could, you could look at what you need to to kind of calculate, okay, it's going to be three or four months, but that takes work to do that versus you could ask Marge, what's my burn rate or what's, what's my fume date is another one that we've, we've incorporated in there. And she might say, you know, November 2019 in a couple seconds. And, and that's just an example where we're taking different data points, calculating them, uh, translating that to natural language, which is the hardest part, and then communicating that in a medium to the, to the, the user where they can understand what, what that is. And so we use text message a lot. Uh, Marge is, is mostly interacted through SMS, but you can interact through, you know, in our mobile app or web app as well. It's all the same experience. You're going to get the same answers back, but it's, it's really whatever, you know, the business owner needs at that point in time. That's a, a, a kind of a, a simple example of the power of being able to pull data and then calculate it in a systematic way. So I'm going to get the same response every time and then display value to the ultimate user that's just needing that information very quickly. Well, thank you. Actually, that's exactly what I had in mind is whether or not she could actually calculate or if it was, if it was strictly, 
you know, giving me facts back. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I know you can't talk about everything that, that you guys have in development, but what are some of the milestones, I guess, that have happened in the last year? Other than adding 190 employees, anything in the offering area or, or any, uh, any customer, yeah, customer offerings that have been further developed, anything like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we've spent a large part of our year and, and a whole team thinking about the next steps of scale factor, right? And just the ability to kind of articulate a business operating system is something that we weren't talking about a year ago openly. We view the world as, as accounting and finance is very core to us, and it will always be core to the business. Um, that will be scale factor. But what we've really now been able to act on is, is a lot of other items around the back office that you know can help our customer. Um, and so we spent a lot of time focusing on the lending space. Is there a way that we can offer, with the data that we have from our customers, is there a way that we can offer various lending products or various conduits to great partners that can offer lending products to our customer that, that again, can help them get back on track, you know, if they were able to fall off track or something might happen in their business. Um, so there's, there's a lot of exciting things that we're looking at and, and doing in that space. You know, the other thing that we've really evolved is we've got a product called Cash Vision. And Cash Vision really takes all these inputs that I'm talking about even with Marge and puts them into a forward-looking cash flow projection that's constantly running. The fun part about that is that the way that we see our users interact with this is really they're creating lots of scenarios. And, and at first, we were kind of like, are they using it right? Did we miss the mark here? Is there something going on? But when we look, what's happening is this business owner can get into cash vision and say, I want to hire an employee. What's going to happen the rest of the year if I hire that employee? Or I want to buy the truck. You know, what does that do to my cash flow? Am I going to have enough money at the end of the year? Or I want to open a new location. And you can project and see what's happening there. And what we're seeing is that they're doing kind of single-threaded problem-solving and really, they're understanding and learning how their business works. They're understanding that saying, okay, if I hire this employee, this is what happens three or four months from now. And now I'm not going to be able to hit this other goal maybe that I had. Or maybe I will be able to hit the other goal because this new employee can maybe generate more revenue for me or whatever the, the case may be. But the interesting part about this is that we've learned that the user wants to really understand how their business is working. And they don't necessarily want somebody to tell them that. They need to go through a period of self-discovery, and that's what Cash Vision is really allowing them to do. They're, they're able to sit you know, late at night or, or on the weekends. It's when you know, a lot of our users are interacting with Skill Factor. It's, you think they're busy business owners, and so you know, by the time they have to think about these things, it is kind of on this high-value, kind of you know, off-mainstream kind of day working here. But you know, with that, the, you imagine them late at night, and, and they're sitting there running one scenario at a time, and they're asking questions, okay, what moved and why? And now they've learned something, and they've learned something again when they run that next scenario. And so we're seeing customers run you know, 10 to 20 scenarios in a single setting sometimes, you know, depending on, on who they are and, and what phase of their business they're in. So the learning lesson for us is that you know, it, it's not something new, but we're, we have a lot more conviction behind this, is that our business owner is a very smart individual that has a lot of conviction behind their business and their idea they have a level of tenacity to be able to do what they're doing. And many times it comes with a triumph that's just incredible, right? They've, they've either mortgaged their house or done something just what, what maybe a lot of people in the world would consider, you know, almost crazy, right? But to the, business, the, the entrepreneur, the SMB business owner, this is what it takes to survive. And given that, when we give them the power to teach themselves, 
it's incredible the value that's created there and, 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 the, and the ability for us to steer their decision making is not us telling them what they have to do but it's giving them all the tools and resources for them to go discover what they have to do and that's a key differentiator that we think that's that's not necessarily present in the market today right when a lot of times and i'm a cpa i'm an accountant so i can say these things to some extent because i am one of them right but there's a tendency that we see in the bookkeeping realm that the, the accountant or the bookkeeper is really trying to teach the business owner how to become an accountant. You know, here's how to read a financial statement. Here, you must do it this way. The only way you can run a proper bill pay process. Or you must do it this way. This is the only way the payroll is going to be right. And to some extent, they're, they're right, right? But the approach to the customer we find is really off-putting. Because we estimate about 80% of our business owners today are not financially forward, meaning they did not start their company to learn how to become an accountant or learn how to become a bookkeeper. And in fact, when we go in and interact with them and say, you must learn this or you don't know this, you're a bad business owner or kind of all these other things that happen in these relationships, it's just not forming a relationship that's sustainable in the long run. That's one that's filled with the amount of trust that there could be. And this is not everybody out there, right? But the approach rather of us meeting the customer where they're at and us crossing that bridge and joining them on the other side and saying, Hey, let's come across this together and we're going to teach you along the way. And in fact, if you don't have time to learn, we can certainly do this for you. But what's the biggest thing for us is actually teaching and, and providing a resource and providing a safe spot for them to ask those questions. Right? The, the, the thing that I always say is being a CEO is a really lonely job. And I don't, I'm not talking about myself. I'm having a great time uh, and I've got a great, great amount of, uh, you know, I do get lonely, but not the business doesn't force that, right? But in a sense, it's still very much there, right? Being a CEO, when you think about it, there, there's things all of a sudden that you can't talk to your employees about. There's things all of a sudden that your spouse doesn't care anymore because they've already heard it 30 times and, you know, it's kind of wearing that out. There's things that your friends don't want to hear anymore because of the same reasons, right? There's things that maybe you don't want to talk to your other partners in your business about, or maybe you don't want to talk to your investors about. And so you can get yourself on this island where it's kind of like, well, I don't really have anybody else to go talk to. And that's why we see the success of groups like EO and Entrepreneurs Organization, YPO and Vistage and, and all these other groups where business owners can get together and share best practices and speak in an open forum and speak in a way that they're not going to be judged for the questions that they're asking or the viewpoints that they might have. And we're bringing that to scale factor, right? Because it is a lonely job. And if you're providing a, a place for the user to learn in a safe place, the value that you create and the trust that you create and, and the longevity you create in the relationship is just profound. And that's what we want. You know, when we have a customer come to us and say, hey, we want to onboard on the scale factor, our bookkeeper left, and we're kind of in between hiring our, our new person, and we need you guys for a couple months that's not actually a good customer for us. And we'll tell them that, right? We're looking for folks that want a relationship for multiple years. We want to, to grow with you and to be able to guide you and, and, and be there in your ups and downs and the triumphs and the losses and, and all those things. And so that's the way that we, we kind of approach the world today, uh, looping it back to your original question. Wow, that's interesting. I'm still, I'm, I'm thinking about your cash vision product and, and I can see how if I ask, my human accountant, right, <laughs> to run a forecast. Hey, what you know? How would it look if I hire these employees and and um, maybe make some assumptions and income and, and stuff like that? When the answer comes back, there there's trust, 
but not quite the same as if I was hands-on in it. There's always uh, a question of what maybe what assumptions are made, can you explain this to me, but you're making it so easy for the business owner to just basically directly input the information without having to know how to be an accountant. That's amazing. That's, I, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do a commercial for you guys. <laughs> I just, I, I'm a business owner, so this is really intriguing. This is, this is really intriguing. Yeah, and, and, and one point to hit on there, right? I don't want anybody listening to this saying, hey, SkillFactor is putting accountants out of jobs. That, that's actually not it at all. We, you know, we have a, a, a lot of accountants internally. We have a lot of accounting-minded folks. The, the reality is what we're doing is operationally guiding this business owner. Not necessarily in the accounting way, meaning that your accountant might come back to you with the, the right answer, the exact right answer many times, right? If you hire this person, you're going to have this amount of money in your bank on December 31st of 2019, right? And, and that's important. But what we're really guiding the business owner is the operational side. They're figuring out the different levers that they can pull in their business, and that helps them be a better operator. And so we might not be exactly correct in cast vision that you're going to have down to the penny left in your bank account in December, but that's not actually what's important at this phase. What's important is the, the, the business owner understands that they could hire that next employee and generally they'll be fine. Uh, they could open that new location and generally they'll be fine, right? Or that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Or they've got to wait a couple months or maybe they've got to hit another revenue goal before there's a, a margin of safety where they could go hire that employee it's a little less precise, but intentionally less precise because it, it's more about the operational leverage that we're giving the business owner, and that's their job, versus just the accounting side. And I think that's what's interesting here is that we're, we're bridging the gap between traditional accounting and accuracy behind accounting, but blending it into the operational side where it's actionable. And that's what's, that's what's key, right? We, we want to make this actual. We want to tell the business owner, yes, go hire the person. You know, and that's now something they can go do versus allowing them to kind of remain in a state of uncertainty because they, they might have understood what somebody gave back to them, but then they have a lot of other questions all of a sudden. We want them to feel conviction behind the path forward because that's how you actually operate better. You, you know, the more certainty you have many times, the better decisions you're going to make and the better execution you're actually going to have. And, you know, we subscribe to the idea that Ideas are cheap. Execution is hard, right? And so we're, we're actually trying to help this business owner execute day-to-day -day in their business. And that's, I think, a core ethos of skill factor. It's not just around accounting. It, it, it's actually helping the business owner operate better. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I am on the side, so to speak, that computers are not putting accountants out of business. They're just taking away the junk that we don't really enjoy doing in the first place. <laughs> you know, well, totally, totally. That kind of thing, and and someone still has to teach March how to do accounting, and that that's where we come absolutely. In. <laughs> We're starting to run out of time, and I want to make sure that we get to you know a few final questions here. In the first episode, we talked about your your personal career, your background of you know public accounting and then industry and and the frustration there, and and sort of what led to the startup of Scale Factor. Thinking about your own career? Is, is there anything you think you may have done differently or, or, or if not, maybe any advice that you give your younger self at this point? Oh, absolutely. You know, my path is littered with things that I would have done differently. And I think that that's actually the, the best part, right? You know, the, the ability to reflect and 
be honest about what worked and what didn't work and, and, and ultimately change is kind of why I get up every morning, right? If, 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 if I was able to execute in perfection, then it probably wouldn't be as fun. And, and I'm far from perfect. And so, you know, a, as I go, you know, the things I would have told my younger self are, are really kind of the things that you hear a lot of folks say, and then somehow you just have to go discover them for yourself, right? And this could be around, you know, firing or, or hiring that, that person at the right time and not waiting to do that, right? That's something that's come up time and time again in our path at Skill Factor. There's a lot of times as an operator um, or as a CEO or, 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 you know, the person that really the person has the vantage point across the business that you know something in your gut. And I've just learned to trust my gut more and more. And I, I know that's not a great answer for everybody, but many times I've sent something and then I see it actually play out six months later. And, and the reality is that I could have made that decision six months prior. And in startup world, that's a long time. Six months is like two years of time. We're kind of living in dog years to some extent, right? And so, you know, that's a long time to go on where, you know, you could have seen the ability to, to maybe adjust um, sooner. So people interactions are something that, you know, I've learned to, to trust my gut. But I've also learned to, to put a lot into those relationships. You know, I, I tell people we were interviewing somebody yesterday and they say, you know, ask about the skill factor culture. We talked a lot about the values that we have and the sense of community that we bring. Um, and we want to know the whole individual. We want to know not only your, your, your professional life and what motivates you there and your goals and, and what success is and what failure is. But we also want to almost know the same thing personally, right? as much as you'll let us. We want to know your spouse's name and your kids' names and what's important, where you're going on family vacation and all those things. And, but what I said was that, you know, we expect you to dedicate your life to this. And it's not forever, right? But for the next four to, you know, six or eight years, we want you fully in. And fully in doesn't mean that you're, you don't have a work-life balance or you don't have an integrated kind of approach to it all, but it's just that this, this is your full focus. You're convicted behind the idea and the strategy and the mission that we have. And, and you, we want to get to the point where you can't really think about anything else. And you're fully invoked in the passion of what you're doing. And so, you know, coming back to the thing, you know, the, the, the question that you asked about, you know, anything I would have told my younger self, that's probably one of the biggest ones. You know, spend your time interviewing until you can find those people that are very passionate about your mission and on your strategy. I've, I've spent a lot of time navigating different viewpoints along the way. And, and functionally, my job is to build healthy teams. You know, that, that maybe, you know, as you describe the job of the CEO, maybe that's another one that's clearly there, but that's how I view it, right? And any executive, I think, in any business, their job is to build healthy teams. And one of the things I've just learned is that if you don't have somebody that's convicted to the level that you are and, and sees the pathway that you are, then maybe they're not the best fit for you. And you don't have to hire around and you don't have to hire the imperfect person. You can wait to find that perfect person. And I, and I encourage you to, to really go and do that and, and put the effort behind finding the right hires. Because at the end of the day, our competitors have the same access to technology that we do. Our competitors have the same access to capital that we do. We have a couple of competitive advantages, and that comes down to our culture. And that really is, you know, the threat of our culture is the people. And so I just spend so much more time on people than I ever thought I would. And, and if I was going back and saying, I would do it all over again, I'd probably start with that thinking rather than having to learn it along the way. Beautiful. Wow. I'm taking notes as fast as I can write here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and, and I realize we are down to the last few minutes here. 
I end every podcast with the same questions. I'm altering them a little bit with you because, you know, this is a, a repeat episode. I am curious, what's been your proudest moment over the last year? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, my proudest moment always tends to happen in the triumph. What I mean by that is the reason I do this every day is I love taking a team from the period of impossible to we won and we're standing on top of the mountain. I love, I love, love, love the viewpoint of looking up at this mountain, the figurative mountain that we're talking about, right? And seeing everybody's faces and seeing the idea of, Kurt, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. And then my job is to, yeah, I, I understand there's some things, but let's just get started, right? Let's just put one foot in front of the other here and, and let's just get start walking down this trail and we're going to learn some things all, along the way. We certainly didn't bring everything with us. So we're going to learn what, we, what, we, you know, what we're missing. But then all of a sudden we're at kind of figurative base camp one. And then all of a sudden you look down and you're like, okay, well, we actually did, you know, we did come some distance here. You know, we're not at the top, but we're certainly not at the bottom anymore. And that fuels folks to kind of keep going, right? Then you get to base camp two and three and, and however many there are, but eventually you conquer your goal. And so the proudest moments are when I get to look back and I'm not the one on the top of the mountain. That's not me. I'm the one that's down at the bottom of the mountain clapping for everybody at the top of the mountain, right? And, and see that team that has gone through kind of the impossible disbelief to gaining traction and celebrating their wins along the way and becoming an even stronger team where they're finally at the, the top is probably one of the most rewarding things that I get to do. And, and that's why I'm going to do this for as long as, long as they'll let me do this, right? Because that's what fuels me every day. When I get to do that, that's what, you know, makes me sleep well at night and gets me energized for the next day and to do it all over again. Perfect. Well, an alteration on the second question I usually ask. In the first recording, our first episode, you mentioned it's important if you're going to fail to fail fast. So I'm curious, over the last year, is there anything that you decided to fail fast at? Or conversely, any lessons you sort of learned the hard way? (laughs) There is. They all result around focus. That's really defined our last six months and maybe even our last year. Doing what we do and then the vantage point that we have with the customer, there's a lot of things that we can do. And it's great to think about all those things and, and uh, all the different products and features that we could build or integrate with and, and all these, these items that, that are fun to think about. But the biggest thing that, you know, failing fast is not necessarily failing in the sense of, you know, something totally was, was a failure, but it's more so of abandoning ideas and focusing on the ones that are going to work and slimming down the amount of choices and the amount of uh, different threads that we have to go through in, in our thoughts, right? And so a great example of that is our roadmap from, a, from an engineering standpoint. We've doubled and almost quadrupled our engineering team just in the last year, and we intend to double it again by the end of this year. And so engineering and product uh, folks uh, in the business are, 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 there's a lot of them. So we can do a lot of things. But what we've learned is that if we can get everybody together to focus on just a couple of things and then celebrate that win at the top of the, the mountain that I was just describing, then we earn the right to go do the next thing. And I think it's got to be earned is, is the biggest thing. And so where, where we failed figuratively is that when we've just spread ourselves too thin, and that's where you're certainly making progress on certain items, but it just takes a long time to get to the top of the mountain. And when you're motivating people, 
you've got to show that you're winning consistently. That's why people come to work every day. And that's why people invest their, you know, this portion of their lives into what we're doing. So, you know, no direct failures of, you know, total uh, things that have gone completely wrong, but, but they all, you know, they have the theme of uh, typically when something's not going right, it's because we're spread too thin. We're not really focused on the core elements that move us forward. Thank you. Well, last question, and I'm not changing this one because I, I think it's just a, a great way to, to end the podcast. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've received that I live by right now is go all in. You know, we only get one life. You only get one professional career. You can certainly have multiple careers over a time frame, but there's certain points and periods in your life that you get the ability to dedicate and focus, right? And when you do that, go all in. Be the person that's saying, I'm going to dedicate my life to this phase of what I'm doing. Design your life that way. Make it easy. Worry about your commute. Figure out how you can be productive in an Uber. Figure out a great email scheme where you're not bogged down in your inbox, right? Figure out these things that allow you to go all in where you're giving the gifts that you have. And you're really able to exploit those gifts and give them every day. And so the thing I've learned and the thing that I will keep on doing is, is if I'm going to do something, I'm going all in. If not, there's really no reason to do it. I wouldn't expect any less. And, and actually, that's, that's a, a great, great point to end this show on. Beautiful. Well, for the audience, this has been Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet come out to our website, please do so. We have a tremendous amount now of career-related advice for the accounting profession. We have other blogs, other podcasts. We have book publications at this point. There's just a whole lot of value there for you at whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Kurt, what's the best way to find out about Scale Factor or, or to contact you guys? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're not stopping at 230 employees, so I want to make sure we get this in. What's the best way to find out more about you guys? And I'm glad you asked. You know, we're constantly hiring smart people, especially directly with accounting experience and expertise. If you're an accountant and you, you kind of think of yourself as the rebellious accountant to some degree, we would love to talk to you. We're looking for folks that want to change the industry and, and want to, uh, like you said, figure out a way to focus on the high value items and, and, and we can have software and wonderful processes uh, take away kind of the, the mundane path. And if that's you and it resonates with you, we've got a career page on our website. I'm always open to, to chat. My, my email is kurt at scalefactor.com. Please reach, reach out, LinkedIn, whatever it is. We want to talk to you. And if today is not the right day, then maybe sometime in the future, um, we're trying to meet as many folks as we can. Well, thank you to the audience as well for joining us. We appreciate you all. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come. <laughs>